0: Hello, I'm Andrew Vine, and this is Honestly Speaking, the podcast series that shares the insider secrets to recruiting external speakers to deliver successful events. These podcasts aim to raise the bar in terms of knowledge, understanding, and therefore confidence in engaging speakers and moderators to help us meet our business objectives. Hello, and welcome back to another in the series of Honestly Speaking, the podcast. Now, remember, I said this series would be a mix of monologues by yours truly and some in-conversation dialogues with some really interesting guests, but it would also be an opportunity to answer some of your direct questions. So in this episode, I've invited you to pose questions that are on your mind relating to this ongoing and seemingly never-ending coronavirus crisis and how it's affecting the events world and the speaker business. So thanks to all of you who did submit your questions via LinkedIn and email. Now, when it comes to talking about COVID-19 and trying to think about how this is all likely to unfold, I've frankly been a bit hesitant to address it because I knew that this would be continually an evolving story. And as soon as I said something, it would very soon become out of date. But I've said enough. The time is ripe. We need to tackle it now. And I thought a and a session would probably be the right format. Now, of course, as questions have come in that are similar, I've lumped them together. So let's get on with it, shall we? OK, here's the first one. Which pre-COVID work or social norms are now likely gone forever? Hmm, Well, it's a good question. Nice broad one to start with. And I think by norms, what we're really talking about is the way we work, the way we interact and the way we converse. Clearly remote working or work from home was an absolute necessity during the lockdown periods. Not everybody could do it, but where we were able to, we were told to. End of story. But the key question is, will this continue when we no longer have to do it for health and safety reasons? Now, when I think about the whole range of questions that are coming in, I can see a common theme emerging here. It's saying, well, yes. We understand why the pendulum had to swing so far to one extreme, but clearly it will come back. But will it go back to the way things were? No, we'll probably find it settles somewhere in the middle. Back specifically to work from home, it clearly doesn't suit everybody equally. Not everybody's got the same setup at home, not everybody's made and wired the same way. So I think the exuberance we've seen may have been well overdone. On the one hand, yes, The longer this goes on, arguably, the more we simply get used to it. Humans are hugely adaptive creatures. Yet when we also think about human behaviour, we understand the importance that humans place in physically being together. Now, look, I'm not a psychologist or a sociologist or anything, so there's a limit to how much I can tackle this topic very deeply. But I do believe that human nature wants us to kind of work physically together again It's just a question of to what degree. Do I believe things will go back to the way they were in, say, 2019? No. There will be an adjustment. The way we interact together will also be a correction, I think. We'll realise just what we've been missing out on in terms of the benefit of in-person collaboration and teamwork. Yeah, I know that technology does a really good job, especially in a business continuity context, but also we'll realise that it's very good for certain routine interactions. But when we need to get people together, especially when we don't know them so well, like new members of a team or new customers we need to talk to, new business development, we get reminded of just how valuable in-person connections really are. So will this be a norm change? Yes, but it won't disappear. It will change to a degree. Let's see. And I also think travel is a very interesting question right now. I mean, specifically when we think of events, how willing are people going to be to travel to go to an event? I mean, it may be a completely different story domestically as opposed to internationally. I and mean, initially, of course, it was all made impossible by government restrictions. But with the arrival of vaccines and health passports and testing, whatever, confidence may return. But will they return to 2019 levels? I seriously doubt it. But just how far and how strong will it return? Who knows? Let's see at this stage. We just don't know. OK, a cluster of questions around this one. Has COVID-19 now marked the beginning of the end of physical conferences? Well, the short answer to that, I believe, is no. No. No well well because we've heard it all before really haven't we technology was always threatening to kill off the conference and to replace the in person uh, engagements but never did i do remember when i was at the economist conferences 15 20 years ago now the internet was gaining momentum doing some very interesting things and it was a legitimate question to ask is this the time where we are going to be forced to completely reinvent our conference business I had my doubts, and many others did too, and those doubts were well-founded, because technology really didn't kill off the conference. In fact, it only went to make them stronger. The fundamental thing we were able to do was take something which was, by definition, a discrete event that happened on a single day, and to be able to expand that so much further. It's called tent polling. It's like the way that you can lead up to an event and lead away from it. And technology was great, both in terms of the marketing and also the content of these events to do so much more. So it really did enhance the experience. So fast forward to today. Is it different this time? Well, it may be because, well, we've got better technology and better bandwidth and better platforms. But you know what? It is a legitimate question to ask. Before COVID-19 hit, we had this technology, but we chose not to use it. Why? Well, it might just simply come down to the fact that we as humans never do anything until we're absolutely forced to do so, right? Perhaps it took being locked down for months on end for us to actually finally embrace the technology that was sitting there waiting to be used. I mean, it's certainly true that necessity is the mother of invention. And then with this going on so long, repetition is the mother of skill. So yes, now that we have this technology, we've been forced to use it. We've been forced to practice using it too. There's a legitimate suggestion that this is going to stay, but at the end of the day, We as humans just love to come together. What I think it's proven now is that there are effective ways to come together, to communicate, to collaborate, etc. that can be done virtually. So I think it is a big leap forward. But will this kill off the occasions where it really matters, where people really need to come together? I just seriously doubt that. Indeed, when I talk to my clients who are running events, customer facing events or conferences, I think there's almost no one, not just most people. I'm talking about everybody agrees that in-person events are here to stay. Will the technology enhance the experience? Yeah, I'm sure it will. Again, another step forward. Will we have the choice for some occasions, maybe a little bit more routine events that we can do virtually and then have the justification to invest and to bring people together physically for other events? Yes, I do. What is the net net effect across the industry? Does it mean that we're going to have less physical events and more virtual? Yes, I think there's a distinct possibility that it's going to end up like that. But you know what? It might even mean that the pie is bigger. OK, here's another. How readily have organisations embraced virtual events and to what degree of success? Well, you know, I think, first of all, it depends on what kind of organisation you're talking about. I mean, I tend to split things up into three groups, um, event companies, corporates who run client events, and corporates who run internal meetings. So when it comes to event companies, they, by definition, run events. That's what they do. Uh, if they don't run events, they make no money and they can't survive. So when the coronavirus struck, there was no flights, there was no people coming together, in fact, lockdowns, what could you do other than to go 100% virtual pretty much overnight But at least they're professionals, right? This is what they do for a living. They wake up in the morning and they think about events and event marketing all day long. And they did a pretty good job, I think, on the whole, the ones that I've been working with anyway. My big worry, though, is just how viable financially uh, the industry is if it goes virtually. I mean, if you think back to how advertising money for print wasn't necessarily transferable just like that to uh, electronic marketing, I think we're going to face the same problem. Our sponsors, which are critical to the success of, of events, our sponsors are sponsors going to simply take the money that they were going to spend before on a real live event and transpose it onto a virtual one? Will they perceive the benefits to them being the same? So this is, I think, a critical factor, but let's not get too much into that topic. Corporates running client events, well, this for them is not a profit center, not in the short run, at least. It's commercial, of course, but it, it is more of a cost center. It's, it's like, how are we going to invest in our client relationships? And so I think they've had the luxury, quite honestly, of choosing to wait and see. You know, if it's not been something they've already been committed to, they've had the ability to just kind of stand back and say, "Okay, we can just not do this event this year. We'll wait till next year or do it in six months later when we perceive the environment will probably be better. The third category of uh, running corporate meetings, well, that's pretty much every company, right? Because planning, strategy, bringing people together, leadership, training, development, uh, offsites, you know, the ability to transfer that onto virtual platforms, simple ones like Zoom or Teams or something like that is relatively straightforward. And of course it doesn't really matter the same way as it does for a conference event which is a, pr- a professional conference or a corporate event for clients which is obviously doing their putting their best foot forward in front of their clients an internal meeting well there's a high degree of tolerance for where it doesn't really work where you know the technology you know if it fails it's not the end of the world at least you're bringing people together so i think it is a bit of a mixed bag i think corporates have learned that even if work from home isn't the ideal situation for everybody, at least we've been able to keep the wheels on, right? It's business continuity. It's about doing the essential business of the day, even if it's not the way we'd like to do things. So yes, it's been reasonably successful. I think the interesting question this raises though, is that even where organisations have found that it has worked reasonably well, the question is, Is it sustainable? Is this the way we always want to do things now? Has it been okay as a short-term measure? Or is it a viable way of going forward from this point on? What I hear from talking to clients is that it's been very difficult to do things with new customers, for example. And they've had an unhealthy reliance upon their existing business to keep them going. It's been very hard to engage in a, in a new business or a sales environment um virtually similarly um, when it comes to staff i mean if you've got a team that's been working uh, together and they're familiar with each other i think that suddenly going online working virtually can work reasonably well but just imagine you've got a new member of staff you've got different people in different teams that start to need to work together does it really work is that level of collaboration online without the benefit of having you know good relationships is it really going to work and we all know that when we bring staff meetings together half the value of getting people together physically in a room is so that they can just build a better relationship because that then stands everybody in good stead once they go away and have to deal with each other remotely just expanding this question about how successful people have been. Some have been early adopters who have embraced uh, virtual quickly. Maybe they made some mistakes along the way. They probably did. But now you learn from those mistakes and you really build up a certain degree of proficiency. But those people who delayed embracing virtual events now find that they're the late adopters scrambling, if you like, to to catch up. We realise that there's really, really good business reasons behind doing all of this activity that comes under meetings and events. You know, we wouldn't have done them before if there hadn't been a good business rationale for doing them and so to keep your finger on the pause button this long just doesn't make sense we've got no choice but to lift that finger off the pause button and roll up the sleeves and just get on with it and so we're going to see now the second wave of of people experimenting with virtual because they really have to but I do believe we're going to build up quite a good degree of competency Um, as I said before I think necessity is the mother of invention and practice is the mother of skill. And the other dynamic is worth just mentioning under this title, I think, is that things that are like briefings and training, you know, things that are a bit more informational, less complex, perhaps, uh, do lend themselves better to the virtual platform. This is where conferences and customer events are perhaps harder to do well, because so much is is kind of experiential it goes beyond just informing it, it it needs to engage and to inspire and to you know to influence people's thinking for example and that's you know quite hard to do i think that is going to be the big question how effective are people going to be quickly adapting to the new platform and perhaps thinking more deeply about how they do that effectively Here's a nice broad question for the industry. How damaging do you think COVID-19 has been for the events industry? Well, the, the crisis isn't over yet, so let's wait and see, is one response. But by events industry, I assume you'll be talking about uh, the whole ecosystem of organisations that come together to create the whole. So that's conference companies, of course, it's um, meeting services, mice organisations, event management companies, production companies, uh, speakers, of course, and speaker bureaus for that matter as well. So, you know, unlike the the very visible sectors that have suffered like airlines and hotels, the events business is made up of very small organisations. So their mum and pop, the kind of couple of guys having set up an entrepreneurial kind of organisation, but pretty critical to keeping the whole world of business events going. Inevitably, they are at risk, and many of these organisations sadly will fall by the wayside. On the whole, though, what I'm seeing, of course, is you know, it's do or die, your back's against the wall. You're, um, a lot of these organizations are having to adapt very quickly. And even though they're going through a learning curve, I think they're generally doing reasonably well. So, fingers crossed. Well, let's break it down a little bit, shall we? So, obviously, I've already spoken about event companies um, and they are very much do or die they've had to transform their entire business to virtual pretty much over overnight um and the results are pretty good reasonably good and um i'm i'm slightly worried for them in terms of the business model as i alluded to earlier but other than that i think they've done well they are professionals at the end of the day they wake up every morning and they think about nothing but um their events so that's good now, production companies and 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 event management companies are, are also professionals. And of course, their fortunes are tied very closely to those of the event companies themselves. But obviously, their track record and their pedigree is all built upon real live events. And so overnight, they have been turned to as the people who are supposed to be experts now at delivering the look and feel and the mechanics of a virtual event. And the results have really been quite mixed. On some occasions, it's worked just fine. I've actually seen a couple of disasters unfold in front of me. And it really is a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, it kind of begs the question, I think, as well, which is probably something you want to go into at another time. But, you know, when you're doing virtual events, it's quite different from real events. And so it's not just the same as what you do in person, but on the web, you have to think differently. And one person described it to me as, you know, it's, it's less conference. It's more TV show. And I think that's the kind of level of thinking that we have to have behind the execution of some virtual events, especially when they're in the public domain for big events or, or client events. So when it comes to the speakers, it's kind of interesting because some individuals have just sat back and said, you know what? I don't think this is going to last that long. It's going to all bounce back. I'm not about to reinvent myself. I'll just wait, uh, have a little holiday, you know, and I'll just wait for this to, to all come down. Others, though, of course, who are, you know, highly reliant on their speaking fees as well as what they do for a living. All right. And so this group of people have really wasted no time in thinking deeply about what they do, how they do it, what kind of kit they need to invest in and to practice and practice and practice how they deliver their insights and their experiences to an audience over this very different platform. Now, I'd say the people sitting back are in the minority, but I can understand why some speakers will want to step back because You know, speaking is only one thing that they do amongst many. But on the whole, I, you know, working with many of the speakers that we represent, I've seen enormous efforts being put in. And I think it's a, you know, it's really good. For everybody, I would say it's been a lot of work and it continues to be going through a learning curve. But I do honestly believe at the end of it, we are going to be richer for the experience. We joke and say we're working twice as hard for half the money. I think we all are. But at the end of the day, even when a certain number of events go back to being run in person, we're going to have the experience of being agile enough to do whatever seems to be the right solution. I'll just comment a little bit in terms of what I see in terms of business. Now, look, I I work predominantly in Asia, but also in Europe and North America. Certainly, I think that domestic events will come back sooner. Obviously, we may be able to overcome the distancing restrictions faster than we can overcome the international travel restrictions and generally I think we're definitely going to see 2021 be a much better year than 2020 for some people that's not saying very much of course but will it come back to the pre-covid years of let's say 2019 I very much doubt it to be honest but this is the year I think Having survived last year, it's the time to really capitalise and to take strides forward this year. So let's see how that goes. As I've started to talk about before, I think what's going to be really interesting is to see with this prolonged exposure to running virtual events, it's going to be interesting to see how much of this sticks and how much we build virtual into the overall mix I think humans are quite happy to go along doing the same old things they've always done. And it takes something quite serious sometimes to jolt them into action, you know, to make them do something quite different. And so the longer this goes on, the more uh, experience we're going to be at running virtual events and a certain competency will be built up. People ask, you know, why, when we've actually had the technology, have we not really done virtual up until now? Well, I think it's a bit of inertia. And I think that the only good thing that's come out of this is, as I've said, it will teach us new tricks and we'll be richer for the experience. So let's just see. Here's a question about hybrid events. Are hybrid events going to become the new model to adopt? Well, I'm not so sure. I think it's a model that we can choose to adopt. But I I started to be quite enthusiastic a few months ago about hybrid. um, But now I think, you know, I've Talk to many of my clients who are working on them, I realise there's quite a lot of work in doing them. I mean, I think it's fusing together two different projects. If we continue to have uh, travel restrictions, but less distancing restrictions, then I think it seems like an obvious option for a domestic market. If you can get a critical mass of participants in one location, then you can create the dynamics of a real conference or a real meeting. The use of technology then can enhance it by bringing a wider virtual audience, uh, bringing more speakers from the outside and basically, you know, project it to the world. So that sounds great, doesn't it? But there are really two different audiences interacting in different ways. And that's the difficult thing to, to manage and a lot of work. So it might be a good way to plan an event. And the technology will allow us to include that as an option. So yes, a a viable option, but not the new model. It's a new model. And finally, then, how optimistic do you feel about the speaker business today? Well, this question came in from a speaker, I know, as opposed to an organiser. And I would say, well, the answer I'd give about the speaker business is pretty much the same as I would give to the events business generally, I know it's been tough. I know that it's been quite a threat to the industry across all the uh, components of it. But as they say, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger, right? So I do think that we are now quite well equipped for anything that comes along. I think initially it was quite tough on speakers and therefore the speaker bureaus. Our fortunes are very closely aligned, as you can realise. Because so many events were just simply cancelled or postponed, and maybe they were converted into a format that no longer quite required the same speaker input. I see them being a mix of virtual and a mix of in-person events, and speakers will have a role to play on both of those, including moderators as well, importantly so. What it will require of everybody is to be a lot more thoughtful at the planning and the briefing stage, communicating really carefully about how we're going to do things and discussing it together as well as partners. I mean, in the Speaker Bureau business, we're very much more consultants and it goes beyond just advising on who would be a good fit for the agenda. It's about who will work with the dynamics of your audience and with the format of the event, too. So I see our jobs becoming actually more mission critical than they were before generally speaking i would say you know we're all in the insights business one way or the other you can think about it being very functional but at the end of the day it's all about thinking about the outputs more than the inputs 2020 was the year to survive 2021 was the year to rebuild and 2022 i think we settled down to a new normal well, thank you for sending in your questions. I hope that's been useful. Clearly, I don't have all the answers. I don't pretend to. But I think that this is a useful frame for us to think about the future. Until the next time, then, this is Andrew Vine, Honestly Speaking in Singapore. Thanks for joining. To have access to the archive of podcasts in the series, please visit honestly If you have questions or topics you think need addressing, please submit them to podcast at honestly-speaking.net. Or if what you really need is some one-on-one advice, then contact me via andrew at honestly-speaking.net.